Hey, Murph here. I'm a former heroin addict, current alcoholic, and you're tuned into Self-Medicated Weekly Dose, a podcast all about drugs and the people who use them. As always, this program is inspired by the harm reduction movement, informed by my personal experience using all sorts of drugs for damn near 30 years, and enlightened by my special guests. Speaking of, I'm extremely jazzed for today's guest. She's an Idaho backcountry-raised comedian, artist, and beekeeper. She hosts the much-beloved daily podcast, CityCast Boise. She's put out four critically acclaimed stand-up specials. Go ahead and watch her latest one, titled Myself, which just dropped a few days ago. Forbes calls her one of the hardest-working comics in the industry. Please welcome to the program, Emma Arnold. <laughs> Hi, Murph. Hello, hello. <laughs> Yay! The crowd's fired up. <laughs> Um, yeah, so this this episode will air when myself has, you know, I have to do the like, you know, the the the, the back to the future, like it's oh, yeah. now, but it's then, it's whenever. So this will be myself is, is coming out uh, in a couple of days from when we're recording this, but it will be out. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. How was uh, how was doing this special? I know each special kind of has its own, uh, you know, its own yeah. energy, its own headspace. Well, how'd you feel about this one? Um, well, I talk about it in the beginning of the special. This is the first time I've ever taken. This is my fifth uh, album slash special, and uh, it's the first time I've been like in a good place when I was recording. Like the other four, I love those hours; they're great. Uh, but I was in like real duress for whatever reason. Every time I was taping one, like like either mental health wise, recovery wise, or health wise in general. Like every time, I was like really at the end of my rope and. And like, it's funny when I'll watch them, I'll be like, how the fuck did I pull that off? What an incredible miracle. Uh, but this one, I like, I'm in a really like happy, calm, good place in my life. And when I was like, went to tape it, I was like, oh, wow, I'm just like, I don't give a shit about this because my life is fine. And I'm not like, I only really have comedy going for me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, it, I was just like, oh, yeah, this will be fun. We'll do this on the weekend. And then I go back to like my day job with dental insurance and uh you know, it, it was really, it was nice. It was actually just like a different feeling entirely. That's uh yeah, that's, that's an interesting, uh, you know, cause it feels like there's always the, oh, you gotta be tortured. You gotta be, you know, going through it. You feel like, but then when you're not, you're actually like, oh no, that that's not necessary to, to be. Not at all. Yeah. In fact, my label was like, this is our favorite album. Like you're, you're, you ha there's like a warmth to it and a sweetness to it, you know, that like the other albums didn't have. And um, and they're totally right. Like I, I was enjoying myself, <laughs> which is not something I had experienced a lot in comedy before. Uh, yes. So the sad yeah, clown of all feeling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to watch it. Um, we're, uh, we're, uh, speaking of, you mentioned you're, you know, in, in, uh, recovery or in various stages of recovery for, you know, your taping of, of previous specials. Uh, so we got a jam-packed <laughs> program, and, and we're going to dive right into, uh, you know, recovery itself uh, in a little number that I call the Substance Report. This is the question. Do junkies' lives matter? <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yep. Geraldo asking the tough questions, as always. Wow. Uh, so, Emma, you know, the mainstream media's narrative on substance use has always been garbage. So, you know, I like to take a lot of topical drug-related stories in the news and give them proper coverage uh, from a drug user's perspective, uh, you know, without all of the, the judgment, the hysteria, the hype, uh, and, you know, see if we can find a different angle on some of these stories. Uh, now, this, this bit in particular, I, I feel like 
we probably both have some some thoughts on uh, on on this. This is a this one I pulled from the New York Times, the paper of record here. Full disclosure, I this is an op-ed um, you know, in the New York Times, which my grandmother always said, if it ain't an op-ed, it's a psyop. So, you know, we're everything's pretty much <laughs> an op-ed. Uh, but uh, this is this piece here is kind of uh, the the headline says people have a right to a non-religious uh, to non-religious rehab. Uh, so, she, you know, she kind of goes through the, uh, the, the stats, two thirds of, of uh, addiction treatment in America for alcohol and other drug disorders, including over 90 percent of residential treatment uh, center surveys use the 12 steps. Uh, of course, as we know, fewer than half of 12 step participants are abstinent uh, for a year after. It's a tough thing to do. Abstinence, uh, you know, and there's there's a lot of uh, there are some that that that, that don't go the, the, the kind of overtly religious route. The traditional uh, 12-step uh, program, which was the first treatment program I was, uh, you know, uh, uh, I kind of went went into uh, early on and then kind of did N.A. meetings and, and things uh, before eventually just kind of settling in on, on my own because it's not, you know, it's not for everybody. Uh, but I'd love to dive in. You know, I, I'm always going on and on about this on the program. I'd love to hear what your thoughts, Emma, on and, and your experience with the religious, let's say, uh, parts of, of the 12-step this is so exciting because I literally walk around constantly thinking about this, wishing someone would ask me my thoughts on the 12 steps. Like all this is so yes. this is so satisfying and exciting for me because I'm literally it doesn't like, just come up in the grocery me. store. You no, know? It doesn't, it doesn't, nobody yeah. wants to hear. Yes. Nobody wants to hear what I think about the 12 steps. Hmm. Um, I have a ton of experience in the 12 step programs. Uh, I started in AA um on the advice of a therapist who then also asked that I go to uh and okay and I understand if you're listening right now and you're a 12 step person that you're not supposed to you know what the, one of the steps is do not mention these programs by name and media programs which I have always had a very gut uh yucky reaction to even mm-hmm. though I understand that like a piece of that is like you, you don't want people out there promoting AA uh, who maybe make it look bad or whatever. Um, I'm not promoting it or saying I, I have mixed feelings on it. So I'm going to use the the acronyms because I want people to know which groups I attended, yes. even though I know it's a, a rule to that I'm breaking. So just don't, you don't need to, to tweet me about it. Um, That's a culty to, rule. So I, I'll, I'll just chirp in with my thoughts rule. as we learn, but yeah. It's a culty rule of the like not – now not, not divulging names, of course. You know, everyone's privacy, yes, but oh, the program absolutely. itself. Anonymity is key, but yeah, the yeah. program itself I think you should be able to discuss sure. and it's – I for years followed that rule and tried to discuss it by being like in the the group therapy I was a part – but it's like it's not group therapy. It's uh, uh, AA. <laughs> so yep, yep. I went to AA, S-L-A-A, S-A-A. And then finally ended up in Al-Anon. And um, I have extremely mixed feelings about the groups, uh, which we can get into, but I'll just give you an answer to the question with the religious piece of it, is that um, my experience is that that piece of it is really, really difficult, really fucking difficult if you're not a religious person. And somewhere here, like here, Idaho, uh, a lot of the groups I went to – you know, and in bigger places, LA, where I've gone to meetings, um, Portland, they'll be like kind of non-denominational and kind of like vague about what, you know, a higher power is and what that needs to be. Not in some places, though. Some places like here, which is really conservative, like they say the Lord's Prayer at the end. And um, so there's none of this, like it could be a tree or a river. Exactly. Business. This yeah. is like the, the almighty God. Yes. Like, and I have, and even the, it could be a tree, it can be the group. I've been to groups that have been very chill about that and very cool. And I've been to groups who are like, 
Um, okay, well, let's all thank Jesus Christ, our Savior, for keeping us sober today. And um, when I first started, I struggled a lot with the higher power piece, like a lot of people do. I think that's pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, and then I kind of came to terms with it. And I, I, I've done the 12 steps multiple, multiple times uh, in different programs and kind of came to peace with it, sort of being like, oh, maybe nature is my higher power. Maybe time is my higher power, blah, blah, blah. Ooh. And then I kind of came to a point where, and or the group, I, I, I was a big like, the group is my higher power. And then I kind of came to a point where I'm like, I th- where I think what, in my opinion, where you need to sort of end up as an addict, which is unfortunate because it's also where you start, is that you are your own higher power. Uh, but mm-hmm. when you start with that, that's a real problem in the beginning. And then if, I, in my opinion, if you're, if you're getting to a healthy place, eventually you're like, oh, I get it. I'm the one who needs to make these decisions for myself. And I'm the one who needs to develop my own moral code. Um, so yeah, I... I feel like the groups can be really either I 100% agree culty predatory dangerous for women um, I was in a, a sex addicts meetings with all men for most of my experience in sex addicts meetings which Ooh. I will say made a ton of beautiful friendships in those groups found a lot of healing found a lot of like oh I see a lot of my anger is at men and I have to like deal with that found a lot of healing but also the religious piece of that made it so like AA is as hard enough but putting a sex addiction element on things sure. uh the the groups were extremely puritan extremely like kind of sex negative extremely heteronormative you know all of those things because there is this religious piece to the 12 step group which makes it really hard to find healthy sexuality uh when the group is like basically abstinence is your yeah, Goal, sexually always. liberated, and so it's women. similar to drugs, you know. Sure, sure. Sexually liberated women, specifically in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. though they don't they don't quite mix uh, well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. I mean, yeah, that's that. I feel like well, it's interesting because you kind of say you said there too. It's like when you realize because I feel like with God, that's that's all we're doing is ultimately it's like you have to be like I am God, like you know, like we're we're, we're trying to to create this God in in the image for whatever. Yeah, I, I always. And I feel like when I was younger, I was a lot more cynical just about religion in general. I think as I get a little older, realizing the, the, the community aspect of it, which is the same thing I think is, in my opinion, the best part about uh, 12-step is the community. You know, it's all that. And when it's not uh, judgmental, when the power dynamics are not off and when it's like, I think the mix of like AA and NA is a very strange thing to also mix because there's a lot of judgment with medication assisted treatment and stuff with, you know, people being like, well, if you're on methadone, if you're on, bu- you're not, you're not sober. Like there's a lot of that kind of talk too, which is also just, again, it could, could be the, the religion flying in the face of the, of the science and the, the data of saving people's lives. But it's also just like, I don't know, it just does, it feels like it's a different thing. I think alcoholics and, I, and my aunt uh, was in AA for many years. So when I kind of, uh, you know, I was op- I've been open with my family about my own drug use. So when I kind of uh, when when I was coming off heroin and smoked some weed and I'd have beers at like family reunions like years later, and she'd always be like, "Oh, that's like you know you, you're gonna you're gonna find yourself in it." So we just had this running bit for like you know 15 years where it was like, "Is this the year?" <laughs> like I'd have a little eggnog at Christmas and be like, "Oh, Aunt Nisi, <laughs> oh. is this the year? I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna be shooting up and you know later tonight uh, on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it's like, so we had this running bit and eventually we kind of came to an understanding, but it's like, it worked for her. She was very hardcore old school, you know, coffee, yeah. cigarettes, donuts, uh, church basement meetings. And that's kind of like, you know, all uh, very, uh, you know, serious about that and was a sponsor of, of a lot of different people. And, you know, that worked for her. But 
I think we kind of eventually came to somewhat of an understanding, but it's just, she was also like, yeah, heroin's a different, like, it's just different. Like she, she was very much she's like, yeah, I, I did some, some Coke and stuff in the eighties, but booze was her big thing. And it's very specifically like, so I feel like when they just made AANA and it's like, no, that'll just map to whatever. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Sex, that, heroin. It's all pretty right. much the same. And regardless of whether it even <laughs> yeah. works or not for, for, you know, or works or works for some people, regardless of what it is for even booze, it just seems weird to. Like one size fits all, and also for all of these things, gambling, you know, uh, you know, sex, whatever it is that, that that you know that seems strange to me as well. That there'd be one, just one set of twelve steps and and traditions as they were. Um, yeah, I I like I used to do a, um, comedy at like conventions and stuff, AA conventions, and then oh. one time I did uh, I I okay, so like. I smoke a little weed. I'm like California sober, as they call mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really, like you said, bothers some of the really like hardcore, you know, uh, alcoholics who are like, no, and that's not sober. Um, even though I it's funny because I'm like, oh, are we we're staying in our, in our lanes or we're not staying in our lanes? I can't right. remember which one we're supposed to do. But mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so yeah, I made a joke about smoking weed and a couple people were I mean, it was it, People thought it was funny, but a couple people afterward were really upset. And after this one convention, I was kind of told I wouldn't be asked back because I had made a joke about weed and that they were there for like sobriety support. And um, and I and I get that, like not pushing people when they're in a in a difficult place by reminding them that weed is really smoke fun to smoke. Um, <laughs> I get that, but also I was kind of like, if your sobriety is so so shaky that hearing someone else say they smoke weed. Uh, is going to throw you off the wagon, then that's, 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 uh, rough, you know, yeah. that's not yeah. really, that's not great. Um, and I hear what you're saying about the one size fits all thing. Cause I've always kind of thought that same thing. Um, I've had uh, a tricky, it's, it's hard because I, I started out in the 12 step groups kind of based on this therapist who was like, you know, I, you're an addict, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I really struggle with how I feel about AA. Cause I really, on the one hand, I agree with you, like the community is so great. And I uh, feel like it was so helpful to me and so important to have that community when I was trying to get mentally healthy. And I made lifelong friends there and I learned a lot of stuff. Um, and I think it's a, a 12 step groups are what we're doing as a society instead of accessible mental health care. Um, it, if we had yeah. accessible universal mental health care, AA would not exist. Like, Absolutely. Or it would yes. be very small and not not very many people would need it as much because like that is dollar therapy they call it the free a- like, yeah the aspect of it right right yeah like if you can bring a dollar to put in the coffee pot thing uh then you have an hour of free therapy basically with structure you know when i was first getting sober uh i went to a meeting every day sometimes twice a day and it was a big part of of like building structure and taking care of myself and um and like I don't know where I would be in my mental health journey overall if I hadn't had the 12 step groups at the same time I've watched men be incredibly predatory in AA yes. and swoop in on new women who are very fragile and you know 13th 13th stepping they call that you know oh and, yes yep 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 and so and, I and, and I talk I about the think, crossover too really quick too from from coming in with I, I see that big time with you know, people who are whatever, you know, chips, uh, chip they have. Oh, I'm, I'm 10 years, 15 years. The veterans of the AA program, especially when people coming in, like I said, the NA mix 
of like, oh, you know, there was a, there was a lot of looking down on like the women who would come in as like, oh, these these ladies will do pretty much anything. Like there was almost this like this is gonna be a revolving yeah. door for the for the junkies. Like they're a different mm-hmm. crowd that comes in, and I and I yeah, firsthand was was very. Yeah, very aware of that. I mean, it was kind of how I ended up in the sex addicts meeting, honestly, because at AA, I was like, feels like a lot of us have a (laughs) bigger problem than alcohol. And that is that we, I never fucked anybody from AA, but there was tons of that happening. And I was like, I don't, I don't feel like this is sobriety if we're just sort of like fucking each other and taking, you know, and getting into these like three month long, super emotional, tumultuous relationships and stuff like I would watch happen in AA. So well, there's yeah. immediately power dynamics too at play. Like yes, it ju- it's just by absolutely. the way the higher, by the way the whole program is designed. It's it's yeah, absolutely. And I've been I have I've been a sponsor for every single program for a number of years. I've had numerous sponsees, um, uh, you know, who stayed sober, who didn't stay sober, and I was always kind of like, uh, getting. I was like always very a very hands off sponsor where I was just kind of like, "How you doing, man?" And then they t- <laughs> you know tell me they're still using, tell me not, and I'd be like. Well, sounds like you'll figure it out. You know, like I was always kind of like, I'm not here to tell you how to do anything. I'm just like here to listen to what you're going through and to be like to guide you through the steps to be like, cool, that sounds rough. Do you want to do number three now or how are you feeling? Um, But I also this is a good religious. So when I first started in the uh, sex, sex addiction groups, I had there was only one other woman at the time and she was my sponsor and um she was my sponsor for quite a few years and she was deeply religious, like fucking rolling on the floor, Pentecostal. We don't celebrate birthdays because God hates that. Like Mm. no dancing. There was no dancing at her wedding because her religion doesn't like footloose Christian, you know? Well, what about uh, Christmas? You're celebrating that birthday pretty. Yeah, no, 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 not Jehovah's Witness. They did Christmas, but they didn't really do like like personal self glorifying days. Yeah, basically, Easter is okay. Very religious, and and I was trying to build at the time. So I was sober for about four years, relapsed on quite a few things really hard, and now I've been sober for about five years. Although the only person who really counts that date is my mom. To be honest, she's so thrilled for me, but I'm kind of like it's not really what I'm doing anyway. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I'm not really counting the date anyway. (laughs) But she, but she was so religious and she, um, she, like I, when I came back from rehab and I struggled so hard to stay sober that four years, I was white knuckling everything. I was really not doing well, uh, emotionally. I was in a terrible relationship. I was really, really struggling in a lot of ways. Um, I was sober, but I was dying and I was super suicidal and really unhappy and, um, and then I recorded a comedy special and uh, – <laughs> but then when I came I, – so then I, I relapsed and I was so like devastated and um, then when I went to rehab and then when I came back, I was sitting with her and I, I went to like sex rehab. Um, they do other things but they specialize in like healthy sexuality and it was like very cool, like very like, you know uh, – working with like new uh research and stuff and very like yeah i mean you got to figure out your sexuality who knows what you know maybe gangbangs are fine you know, very like <laughs> yes you as have long to as you're, yeah, you're healthy yeah. yeah like yeah. are you enjoying that then cool yeah. you know so i came back with this sort of new hold on what i thought sobriety was and we met at a coffee shop and i was walking her through she was like, okay, we're going to redo the steps. And I was telling her, this is what they said at treatment I should do. And she was like, blah, blah, blah. And then um, she said to me, like, well, you can't masturbate. I told her that they had said at treatment, well, 
that masturbation was fine, which is like a big no, 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 no in, in the 12-step groups, like sure, in sure. the ones in Idaho anyway. And I was like, <laughs> well, she said masturbation is fine. And I've always kind of – I've always felt that too. Like, And she was like, masturbation is the devil trying to drag you to hell. And I was like – I don't huh, know why dramatic. you've been my sponsor for four years. Like, <laughs> of course, I haven't been sober. I've been like being mentored by someone who on ev- she is homophobic. She's transphobic. Yeah. She, you know, she doesn't believe in that you can masturbate. She believes you can only have sex with the person you're married to one person. And I don't believe in any of that shit. And right. I was like, what? What? Yeah. Yeah, no wonder I fucking relapsed. Like, this was my spiritual mentor was this woman who believes in the actual devil Yes, and, and, and that the devil and that, and that a, a, a dragging to hell is, is orgasmic, like mixing yeah. those yeah. up. I'm like, I'm, yeah. I'm in line to get to go to hell. I mean, what do that yeah. sounds sounds delightful? Yeah, and I was kind of like, oh, you know what? This is no longer a good fit for me. And yeah. and then I I stayed in the groups for a while after that. I still occasionally go because I have friends and I pick up my chip every so often when I'm down there. And um, but I don't really attend any of the twelve step groups very much anymore. And I've kind of come to a place uh, with everything where I'm like, I was like, I also was diagnosed with a different mental illness and treatment. And they were like, yeah, we don't think you're an addict. We think you actually have severe CPTSD and a dissociative disorder. So yes, yes. maybe treating the uh, addiction for the last six years is why you've actually been suicidal. And then as soon as I started getting actual treatment for mental health stuff, I was so much better almost immediately so that's amazing yeah. yeah and that's and i think that's yeah that's so it's it's interesting to me too because there's such there's such a a you know like a a a, a wide like spectrum of just j- drug alcohol whatever use th- in general that it's like yeah it's it's so weird like some people just having chaotic use for a few years like people mm-hmm. having you know that that identify very very um you know intensely with the with the disease model of this like thing of like why well, I need to be like treating a disease like there's a lot of different ways people come about it and there's so many different ways and also that most people who use like the, you know we're talking about how, how, what percentage of the population is using substances and what percentage of the population becomes addicted it's always these underlying things oftentimes whatever the trauma or, or you know other mental health issues that are coming up it, it usually seems like even people who maybe go hard in their early 20s like with some certain stuff most people just don't Tend to, so so it's very yeah it's it's it, it seems like it's like every person has their own story so it's it's very weird to say like people get very defensive with with the twelve steps the programs where they're like well they say this percentage works or that you know the only only this and I'm like yeah it, like this is just it's it's an individual thing and it's a hard thing and it helps for even though it's an individual uh, you know. Uh, uh, your own usage it's like community is a great thing to potentially have for that but also so is other treatment like you said and i think sometimes it could get in the way if you think well this is just what it is like it's like the white knuckling just becomes like well i guess that's you know and, and based on the, the the 12 steps it's like you know if you even starting out by this like well i'm powerless so if you're powerless you're going to be white knuckling you're going to be just being like well i just got to trust the, the the program and i got to do like this the whole design of of just the steps in general that the, the the self-flagellation there, there's a lot of just things about it that are just religious in nature. And whether you want to say that can be, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a salmon swimming upstream is your God, like whatever, whatever you want to substitute for like actual God. And, and like you said, a lot of them in, in certain places will not even allow for that. But even if you do, ultimately, these 12 steps and this the, the psychology of it, it's like you're kind of rewiring your brain. And I wondered, you mentioned a relapse that you said, did you have because I also, to, to be fair, never 
really even committed to like, like I would go to these, you know, I say it would be very separate. The junkies as they, we were looked at in one corner. So a lot of times we're, you know, we end up shooting up together in a church bathroom, in a basement, you know, in the bathroom together. And it's like, well, we go on break and it's like, well, you know, like five of us get together and like, Oh, can somebody, you know, cop and do whatever. And we go like, it's like so a lot of it was just meeting new people to get high with for me. at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and then there was like the, you know, the, 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 the old school AA people, but, I feel like that 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 the relapse thing for people who I know who ha- did commit did go through the full twelve steps have this idea of abstinence for the forever being like uh, that that's what's going to work for me when they have a relapse it's almost like I, I, from at least from what I've heard from some people who, who who've had gone through that and I'm curious what you what your experience was but like th- that almost then it's like bender time like it almost feels mm-hmm. like yeah. when you when oh, you yeah. when you do that thing where you're like oh man I've now I've gone up the 12 step. Now I've tumbled down all the way back to step one. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, if I'm here in the basement, I mean, I might as well, I might as well make a weekend. I might as well go to Atlantic city and make a weekend of it. Uh, That's exactly. And like, uh, you know, I, I was like so desperate to get mentally healthy too. I was really all in dedicated doing all the workbooks, you know, like I was so, so, so dedicated to it. And so then when I relapsed, which, you know, I, in my, I think, you know, I'm saying that with quotations, like relapsed mm-hmm. now, I, I don't have a better framework to describe what happened to me, or, or for me or whatever, or what I did. Um, but I think like, when I think about it, it part of what happened was I had a very tiny, tiny little slip that was like very inconsequential, and honestly, didn't really mean anything. And I was so deeply, deeply ashamed of it and so brokenhearted over it that I, and I told my sponsor and she was like, you have to tell everybody, you have to, you know, come clean, you have to tell your, uh, your, par- your partner and your blah, 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 blah. And um, I just couldn't fucking bring myself to, I was too ashamed and too, too sure that it like really deeply meant something about me that I, that I had gone to all these meetings for four years that I was so dedicated to the programs and that I still slipped you know and honestly looking back now i'm like oh i think you just like because i was i was married and i was in i was in like a a very unhealthy toxic marriage and uh got out of that and immediately got into a very uh unhealthy toxic relationship and was like why can't i stay sober and it's like oh yeah (laughs) i want yeah other things happening in your life and uh and when i and when i relapsed i was just so so sure that you know it it meant something really big about me and like it ended up like no i just was like not happy and now that i'm happy i don't really struggle you know now that i don't put myself in situations that are unbearable i don't have to find something to make my life bearable you know and it, a lot of that. it was on my own plate you know like my own the the relationships i was choosing with people not because i was you know punishing myself or anything or or stupid or whatever it was just like oh this is the dynamic i grew up with so it's totally cool for a guy to be like this to you it's totally normal for people to be mad at you all the time yeah so yeah and i think you know that in some ways i it's funny to me that i ended up in the 12-step groups because i um i was a a, an alcoholic from the time i was a kid and um and i started doing drugs and drinking really really young like age 12 and um when i returned to yeah and uh and I and I like I had sober years in there, like in high school where I was like, you know, got it together for a minute and tried really hard. But then I would like, you know, fall back off and have a hard time. And 
Um, and then after high school, I got together really young and uh, with someone and we were like, we're going to have kids. And I, did, I haven't had hard alcohol since I was 21. I went out one time when I was 21 and had hard alcohol. And I grew up with an alcoholic and I was like, I don't want to be an alcoholic in front of my fucking kids. I'm not going to do it. A few years in, um, I was drinking too much beer around my kids. And I was like, I'm not going to drink beer either. And then I was like, I'm not going to drink wine. So I had literally by the time I went to a therapist had quit alcohol on my own because I just was like, I'm not going to fucking do this to my kids. I'm not going to have them grow up like a, with a drunk like I did. And so I like these were just choices. These were choices that you made. Just yeah, choices. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then this therapist who it was wonderful in a lot of other ways was like, oh, well, that must mean you had problems with alcohol. That must mean you're an alcoholic, which to be fair, if you go to AA, they're like, you can come if you've had problems one time. And and I had definitely I fit the profile as a, a binge drinker and a problem drinker for right. sure. Right. Um, but at the same time, like now, I, I feel sometimes kind of weird because I know a lot of people in the recovery community uh, follow me and identify with me and find inspiration in the fact that I've been sober for five years or that I'm open about my relapse. Uh, but the reality is, is like my husband will be having a beer and I'll have a few sips of it. And a couple times I've even been like, I'm going to have a beer and see how that feels to me and see see if it feels addictive, if it feels scary. And like like we were in uh, – we were in Vancouver uh, up in Canada and we went to this wonderful Korean place and they brought us a free pitcher of beer. And I was like, I'm going to have a couple beers. I'm going to see how this feels. And uh, I had uh, one and a half beers and was like, my tummy hurts. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, there you go. Like that's that where I'm at with alcohol. Like, yeah, like the disease thing doesn't fit for me personally. Yeah. Like I, I don't really crave alcohol anymore now that I'm not in situations where I'm trying to feel better. Uh, for no, you know, because I, I, or like a lot of my drinking was because I wanted to fuck people, but I felt weird and guilty about wanting to fuck people. And uh, so I would get yep. drunk so that I didn't, so I could be like, oh, I guess it was the beer, you know. Um, and now that I don't do that anymore, same. Like now that I just sort of, like literally the biggest thing that has, has been the the best part of my recovery is just removing shame from who uh, I yes, am. The, and, the, the, yeah. The, the, well, do also doubling down, like you said, if you're like, oh, Wanting to have sex with people, but then getting drunk to do, and then, but then I'm also relapse. I'm, you know, I'm failing there, and I'm, yeah. Doing, so yeah, it's yeah. this, it's the shame spiral for sure. Yeah. yeah, and and it turned out like a lot of the things that I sort of considered, uh, a, my relapse. Uh, later, I was like, eh, I don't. I think maybe you were just kind of like in a weird place, you know. Like <laughs> yes. You were just, well, sure. Yeah. Uh, freshly divorced with a, a brand new also kind of mean boyfriend and you were like i don't really want to do this yeah and, a time uh, where you might want to yeah <laughs> have, have a couple sips and check out for for a minute yeah, yeah no, i mean yeah. that's which is complete yeah that and again there's nothing the more shame that you attach to that the, the obviously the the, the 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 deeper the hole that you dig yourself i mean that's just like basic that shit to me is like forget all the other whether it's like religious not religious whatever, that just feels like human nature to me in a way just knowing all the people that I know that have used drugs in so many and, and alcohol in so many different ways. And alcohol is, is drugs. It's all drugs. But like all of that is, is I've just seen so many different that you're just like, yeah, it, it, it it's it's so human. It's so normal. So to like leave it to, you know, very like, you know, uh, dogmatic religious programs to, to try to like make that weird or make that. Uh, you know, uh, some sort of abomination where you're just like, that is, that's a basic human that just seems really, and you saying you would do, Oh, I just wanted to have some beers where I was at this place and try it. It's like, that just seems so, so normal to me that again, some people being like, I can't 
go there with you. And I've said like my aunt and so I have some friends as well who like, well, I've listened to the podcast. Like I dig harm reduction, makes total sense. The public health intervention stuff, Narcan saving people. Like we shouldn't be shaming people who use drugs or whatever. It shouldn't be illegal, all that. But they're just like, I can't get, get there with you on this idea. And I'm like, you don't have to is the other thing. Cause I don't need to get anywhere with you. like, I'm not judging anything you do is the other thing. It's like, it's, it's open to all of it. Whereas like, I think the other side gets very defensive where they think yeah. they hear the, even the words harm reduction, especially more of the old school people that are in the 12 steps. And it's somehow feels like you're like, oh, those two things are at odds. And I'm like, they're absolutely not. The whole thing yeah. is like, whatever you're choosing for yourself, it's like people, people being there to help you along, you know, the way with that. It's community, everything else. And, and ultimately when you're talking about like with, with uh, a lot of the public health interventions now with o- the overdose stuff is like, this is just, which of course alcohol, it's, it's not minimizing things or saying one drug is crazier than the other or is more, you know, but I'm like each situation just obviously requires, you know, it needs to say its own care, you know, standard of care or whatever, its own treatment plan, whatever, what, however you view it, whether you view it as a, it's like that just makes such basic sense to me that aside from any other dogmatic stuff, it's like, yeah, that's just that's right. Like, I feel like that, that that's right for people. Um, and, and most likely people's experiences are more like you just said. I'm like, I don't know if it was where I grew up. I don't know how you feel in Idaho. But even if I go back to like high school, I'm like everyone like people were not even like everyone. I go back and look, it's like if it's like an 80s movie or like the theater uh, nerds and like the science <laughs> nerds and the jocks yeah. and the fucking sk- skaters and the punks and all all these different clicks everyone was like i we might i might have come from a pretty boozy place in uh, pennsylvania coal country but like i just feel like everyone was drinking heavily at like in their teenager years in a way where you would just be like of course if you went to a meeting and said oh here is my last weekend like or here is my even week like wednesday got drunk before school and like you know went into people back like, oh you're an alcoholic but like I, I feel like the people who actually panned out to be like, oh no, I was problematically drinking, you know, for many, many years, and I have to just do the I can't drink at all thing is a very small percentage of a lot of the other people, and a lot of it just is like you change your material conditions, you grow as a person, you're in a different place, like you said, a different, different mental health space, like all of that stuff is just is you know obviously contributes to like what you're how you're using substances, what your relationship is to the substances, and it's like it's like that controversial stuff where people. And, and I can't, you know, wouldn't say that I would even be able to do this, but it's like, of course, people use even heroin and like people smoke crack, like, you know, recreationally. And the idea of that to people is a little bit like, you know, and again, it's like, is it minimizing people struggle? I'm like, no, it's just saying some people do that and some people can't. You can't. So. And I think for me, like if shame is the biggest piece that I remove that has made it so I don't. Uh, really struggle with this stuff as much any or any at all. Honestly, I don't struggle with it anymore. The other piece was like, uh, I started being like, and this is what I would tell my sponsees and then other sponsors would hear about it and be like, you're not supposed to. I was, but I honestly believe that like one of the biggest tools that you can have in your recovery is curiosity about yourself. And I am at a place now where I'm like, I feel pretty comfortable knowing that if I, try to have if I'm like I'm gonna have a beer and see how it feels that I will very easily be able to recognize like no this is not this is not a healthy thing uh this is not something I want to pursue uh versus like I I mean I I'm I have gotten to a place I think a big piece of it is is like I've gotten to a very peaceful place in my life I'm very calm I'm very happy I want to preserve that I don't want to blow apart my life ever again and so when I'm doing something, I'm like, oh, does this contribute to feeling peaceful and at ease? Or does it feel 
dangerous and bad and anxiety inducing. And then if it feels bad at all, I'm like, well, okay, well, I'm just not going to do that. Because I don't want to. I don't want to blow up my piece, you know. Right. Um, and so learning to just trust myself and and trusting that I will know my limits and that I know what kind of life I want. And I, you know, and, you know, in, when you're beginning in the 12 steps, it's very, like you said, the powerlessness piece and the like, you can't trust yourself, you're an addict. And I think that there, of course, is a lot of truth in that. Like your your picker's broken in the beginning yes, 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 when yes. you're first getting into recovery in every way. But that's one of the nice things, I guess, about. But don't you kind of know? Like the other thing is, don't you know that? Because for me, it's that's always was the thing too. Because there's always this idea of, oh, you're lying to people around you, you're lying to yourself. Ultimately, I feel like that that's again just a nat. For most people, certainly, there's there's a lot of uh, you know again there, there, there's a wide spectrum here of like so, so people might have other mental health issues, but I think for the most part, a lot of people, it's like you know it when you're do you know it when you're doing it like. Yeah. Or after, oh, like, you yeah. know, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing this. To, whatever it is, it's like self harm. It's, it's, you know, the recklessness of whatever it is. It's like you know it when, when, when it's not that, and you know it when it is that. So I'm just, which again, yeah. that doesn't, that's not saying, well, all right, it's solved. So then you can, you can always stop it or not stop. But I think ultimately that's just like, yeah, like that, that feels right to me. You don't need this set like the, the, these hard and fast rules. You just kind of like each person's like, yeah, I know, I know when I'm kind of like doing this in a in a harmful, you know, way. To myself there was a man there was a guy in my meetings years and years ago who um he and english was his second language and he was trying to describe like the feeling what we what we call middle circle behavior like you have your inner circle which is like shit you should never ever that's heroin right and then your middle circle is like the stuff you do before you go do heroin like call your buddy joe get your right, shit right, together right, right. you know yep. find some money and then your outer circle is like your family your friends the things you should you know that are supposed to make you happy and he was describing being in that middle place headed toward the inner spot and he was like i just get this like i have this i have this churning it's the churning and i was like that's the best fucking description i've ever heard yes. of when i'm in an addictive place no matter what i'm currently doing with that feeling that churning is is the addictive feeling and yes. um the like mania that surrounds like wanting to self-harm wanting to find oblivion there's ritualistic you know. aspects to it uh, absolutely times there's yeah yeah you, yeah you know you you can feel the yeah the the the, the bells starting to and the itchy, like, oh, it's going to be like, you're like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. And like, that's the other thing I would tell sponsees when they were like, well, I don't know. Like when they were starting out, I don't know if I want, if I'm a, an addict or not. And I would be like, the only thing that I've ever found to define addiction is, do you want to do it? And if not, do you do it anyway? There it <laughs> Whatever I that mean, is. That does, does Whether it's food or biting that. your nails or, you know, right, right, right. heroin. Are you like I hate this thing? I don't want to do it. And you, do you do it anyway? Do it. That's addiction. You know? There, boom. That's pretty easy. Yeah, that's that that that's that's about as straightforward as it gets. Yeah, there, there, there's no simple answers. I just pulled up here. We don't even have to go through all of them. But I was like, what? Because I, I kind of forget of the the twelve steps as we've been going here. I remember that the powerless one was also just one weirdly for me that right out of the gates I was just kind of like, I don't know that psychologically. Yeah, it's just for me. That that's going to really kind of work. I don't know. I, oh, I feel yeah. like just my personality is a little bit more like, nah, maybe I'm going to arm wrestle this this substance a little bit and see if I can beat it. I don't know. That's yeah. It. And also, I've, I always felt like 
one of my biggest issues with the 12-step programs and with, you know, a lot of the books that are written in support of that that are like the tome that you get, you know, when you start is it's so fucking patriarchal and it's so oblivious to uh, the female experience or the gay experience, uh, you know, the queer experience. Um, Your powerless is like, yeah, I'm a woman. I already... uh, (laughs) I already have lived in that space for a lot of my life. So being like, well, you're powerless is like, I know. I know. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I've been told that forever Uh, by all. I've been feeling that for a number of years, but thank you for clarifying it. (laughs) Um, I also, I was in some 12-step groups. This is so wild to me now. I was in these 12-step groups for years where it was a tradition to when you did your first step, you did it like at the group meeting and you didn't just go like, I'm powerless. Like you had to read this giant, you would have people fill out um, this giant thing uh, that was basically like your entire history with uh, substances, with sex, with um, child abuse, like like, what made you an addict, what you were addicted to. Uh, how you burn down your life, basically. A drunkologue, which in AA you share that, you know. Uh, sure, sure. In all the 12-step groups, you kind of share that stuff. But people would get up and read it, and I um, I did it twice myself. And um, and we would always kind of say afterward, like, hey, first steps can be – so, we, like, the whole meeting would be someone doing their first step, right? Like, mm-hmm. it would be like an hour of them reading this incredibly long document, and then the sponsor would ask questions. And um, – we would always kind of afterward be like, hey, guys, remember that first steps can be really triggering, blah, blah, blah. Well, after I had sponsees, uh, after like the fourth one relapsed, after they did their first step, I was like, yo, we are not fucking therapists. We should not have a, be having someone. I had a sponsee who really who re- read his whole like sexual abuse history from his, when he was a child, relapsed two days after his first step. And I was like, this is not okay that we're having people do this. It's incredibly reckless. And I was like, this is so fucking dangerous. And we're not therapists. And we are, you're having people drag up like major CPTSD shit and talk about child abuse. And it is triggering every fucking person in this room beyond belief. And we're all like, "Ah, okay. And then you're just opening it up. Um, (laughs) You're opening it it up to the peanut gallery. Like, you know, it's just like anybody can. Yeah. It's just that that kind of. Absolutely. Like one of the ones I, I was, um, uh, I spot my sponsee read through their whole thing and, and then everybody's supposed to go around and like offer you support. And one of the guys there, this older, extremely religious man was like, well, I think a lot of that, you know, you did to yourself, like about this kid's really abusive past. And I like, shut him down and was like, well, I know we don't do cross-talk, but you need to shut the fuck up. You know, like, <laughs> yes, I was just yes. like, nope, stop, no, nope, yep. stop. But like, oh, you would have that. And it was so vulnerable and so dangerous and not okay. And when I kind of said like, hey, I think we should stop doing this. It was like, well, it's in our, you know, blah, 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 like, template of stuff that we're supposed to have t- people do. And the only way you could get it changed was to like, you know, go to the, in, the regional convention and petition oh, to have it changed. God. And I was like, this is so fucking dangerous. And then yeah. I found out, like, when I went to L.A., people were like, you guys do what? You do what? In the <laughs> That's Mountain the West That's the fundamentalist 12-stepers. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's in- what's interesting, too, is, like, I feel like I always, when I think of re- religion, again, I'm far less cynical. The organized stuff, of course, and, the, and the, you know, the old power uh, structures that are in, like, you know, Catholicism and a lot of the old. But, like, I feel like. L. Ron Hubbard. So I think Scientology, where people will just be comfortable throwing that into cult uh, territory. Mm-hmm. So L. Ron kind of, mm-hmm. I feel like, plucked little little bits uh, from from different religions to kind of use. I feel like... And his own 
fantasy novels. And his own, and his own fantasy novels. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. No, his, his own sci-fi uh, world that he lived in. Um, but yeah, there, there, there are elements of where, where I feel like very specifically that this always felt felt this way to me is like so so. Um, uh, what the uh, confessional, like going to the confessional in the Catholic yeah. Church. Uh, the audit of Scientology, this kind of shit too. What you're just saying right there mm-hmm. also reads to me. And you think about the 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 the, the genesis of the twelve uh, step. It's like I think wasn't it like Wall Street? Like wasn't Bill involved? Like I think there was like an early stage where it went to like Hen- like so the Ford, like Henry Ford and stuff. Like I think there was like some 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 like very the power players where this kind of originated. It almost then feels like there was some some potential for like you know. Uh, Kind of just, uh, you know, holding that over people's heads where you're like, oh, once you admit the, the this kind of stuff where you're like, oh, here's yeah. all my past. Here's my th-. then it's like, well, who are the people who are this is anonymous, of course. So most people you can't share this. In but within theory. the circles that you're in. Right. Of course, if you're in the yeah. community there, once once that's out in the open, that's a very powerful. And I mean, that's you know, that's obviously where the Scientology and the audits are, are, are is like once you give all those you spill all the beans. It's like that, that's a lot of power. Like I'm powerless. Here's all my my baggage, and please, you know, keep it like an. It's yeah. It just feels like that's kind of where that where this comes from, and it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, it feels. Same with the fourth step. Um, I did the fourth step. I have done the fourth step so many times, and the first, I don't know, ten times I did it. Um, I was really because like anytime there was like a, a workshop, you know, like I did the, did it with my sponsor, but then they would be like, oh, you know, there's like a blah, blah, blah workshop if you want to do blah, blah, blah. And I would be like, yes, absolutely. Sign me up for the workshop. And I would do the steps again in a weekend. And I did the fourth step so many times. Just for listeners really quick. Just for listeners like who aren't, who oh, aren't thank familiar. You. Yeah, please. Uh, fourth step made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. And I, for some reason, yeah. hear I hear Jordan Peterson saying that for some reason. That feels yeah. Very, very, very Jordan Peterson-y. Uh, but, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and like the fearless moral inventory. So like, and and people do it different ways. And I've done it with different sponsors, different ways. And um, I always really struggled with it because every single time I did it, um, I was sexually abused by my father. And every time they would have me fourth step my father and say what my piece in that was. And I would always be like, um, I think probably nothing. And they yeah. would be like, well, I mean, there's got to be something like, you know, and I would always kind of be like, how are you having me do this? But when I was in treatment, we went through the 12 steps and a, th- a therapist there who was wonderful was like, oh, no, 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 no. The fourth step is for like the ways you held on to the resentment around like where what are the ways that you are still harming yourself with the hurt he gave you? And I it finally kind of cracked it for me. And like, you know. That's kind of the issue with the 12 steps, you know? How is twisted like, is that? They're, yeah, they're trying to be like, how, yeah. how, how, what was your, what did you do that, that, that is responsible for that person's behavior? That's a, that's a very twisted way to, yeah. Which people will be like, well, that is just, you know, sponsors. That was just because your sponsor got it wrong. And it's like, okay, but I did it a bunch of times and continued to get the same note that like I needed to, which again is that fundamentalist, patriarchal, like yep, yep. evangelical uh, you know, you you made a good man swerve. You know, you, That's right. you tempted his eyes with your sexy child body. You know, like oh, n- I'm Lord. not saying every sponsor I had pushed that, but absolutely. Well, that's the subtext a, of, of yeah of, of like yeah. Well, of of what was your piece of this? What is your responsibility in this? And when I finally was like, oh, my responsibility in this is to never talk to him again. 
My responsibility in this is to protect my space and to not let abusers into it as much as possible right. when I can, you know? Um, so yeah, that I felt like was a really fucked up piece. Um, and, and you know, some people have a really great, uh, great experience with, with 12 Step because so much of it depends on your group depends on your yes, sponsor yes, yes. and that is who knows who knows what you're going to get and i think personally i find that pretty terrifying that like really mentally vulnerable people are out there you know getting advice from someone who's like well maybe maybe you should think about the reasons your dad sexually abused you mm. yeah yep yep yeah no i, I agree 100 i mean and that's with a lot of this you, you know it's, this is scripture to, 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 to some degree of course and people certainly treating it that way so it's like it's like the you ever get like a good, you know, a good priest? I mean, I, I haven't, you know, sat down in a, in a church and listened to a priest in a very long time. But uh, but when you get a good one, I feel like that's the whole thing is it's like, yeah, there's a lot of love in the like there's a lot of ways to interpret. Like, I mean, really, with the, with the, the, the whole Jesus bits, there's really only one way to interpret it. But yet here we are still uh, with people uh, using it in a judgmental way. But I'm like, I feel like the, 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 you get someone who'd be like, yeah, here's here's the stuff that like, you know, the, the, the guidelines, but here's how I'm going to, you know, practically apply that. And then it feels like that's, so you're right. I, I think depending on the group that you're in, it's like you could take the same 12 steps and have a very different experience. Uh, yeah. E- even with those like, you know, four, yeah, five is another, there's just so much of this like admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. There's just so much like you just you're spanking your bottom the whole way up these 12 steps. I feel like you, you really know? are. You really There's are. It's too much, too much. I feel. And and I think especially too, depending like, on your fucking lived experience. It's like there's there could be just yeah. like a, a, not minimizing anything at all. But there's just such a wide range that you could just be like, oh, yeah, man, this this person just like, you know, likes to drink too much and beats up their kids. With it. I'm just thinking of, again, like the patriarchal the, the, the People in my family, I'll even say, uh, you know, God bless them. But there's, there's plenty of people. I have a very large family and there's a lot of substance use in the family. So some people, it runs a gamut of that where you're like versus, you know, some of my aunts, one of my aunt in particular who's big on these 12 steps, who had a fucking nightmare of, of, a, of an existence, like to get to the points where she had to like fight through. And, and then I'm thinking on top of that, I'm like, you also put all this on your shoulders of like, to, so I'm like, to, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot where I'm like, I, it just doesn't make sense where those two people are coming to this from like those two places where it's like, yeah, I don't, that just seems, it's, it's absurd. Uh, some of these things. And, I think, and people who love a, the 12 steps will say, well, you know, that's kind of the whole point. Like take what works and leave the rest. Like that's the whole thing. And, uh, and that is a pretty rough thing to do when you're really emotionally and mentally vulnerable, you know? Yes. Like, and then what the I hell was is not it take for many, leave? for a decade, I was not able to do that. Like I was very like, I couldn't tell what I needed. And so I just took it all Yes, <laughs> uh, and was like, this is going to help. This well, is going to fix me. And it made things worse in some ways and better in other ways. You know, like I said, I have relationships from to the 12 step groups that I maintain. Like one of my closest, really dear friends, um, we started in the 12 step groups at the same time. They were raised evangelical. And about a, two years ago, they were like, oh, my God, this is a cult. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> this feels so similar to my childhood. And they were like, I'm mm-hmm. literally just trying to learn to, like, live in the world without shame and to decide for myself, like, what I like and I don't like. And I don't need I don't need a group telling me that. I need nothing. I need to, like, figure that out for myself. And so they had, like, a similar experience to me, but coming from a very evangelical background. Yeah, it's that's that's wild. I, I also feel like the, the, the take what you will – Leave what you will. I, I, I know that that's definitely a, 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 a pretty uh, common refrain. I've, I've heard that one. I feel like that's interesting. 
and I, you know, I hate to immediately just do the mapping of like the disease model because again, however you around this, but if you feel like yourself as being like, I have some sort of disease, which I do feel like there's there's the disease model within twelve steps. But what's interesting is like that 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 you'd be like, what other treatment program would you be like? You know, if you were going in to be like, oh, I'm going to an oncologist, for cancer, or whatever, be like, listen, take what you want, take what you need from the from the radiation and leave. <laughs> Look, some of it, you're just like, no, tell me what will, I'm here to, I'm tell here me looking for help. how to get rid of this cancer. Yes, yeah, what the exactly. fuck is the regimen here? What are we doing? Uh, you know, like yeah. what, what's uh, give me because give me the, the regimen is expensive, honestly. It, yes, like, yes. I mean, at least that's the uh, one thing you'd always say. At least this is cheap. Uh, yeah, the, the it's a dollar. Steps. It's a dollar, and and what people really need is they need they need actual health care. They need actual mental health care. You and, nailed that from the yeah. beginning here. Yeah, if that was if yeah. that was available, uh, yeah, this would this would have gone away. And uh, acceptance, which I love that your whole show is about this because honestly, I've been thinking about this so much because so here I was raised by like a bunch of like half rednecks, half like mountain hippies, and there are so many pictures in my baby books of like pot plants and mushrooms. And my parents were very into hippie culture. And um, eventually my mom left. And I think around that time in the 80s um, was when like the big, we all got Nancy Reagan, right? Like all the like no on drugs stuff. And that was all happening. And um, my family swung from being like pretty chill hippies to being like super, super against drugs and alcohol. Partly I think because like my mom's experience in her abusive relationship, in her mind was like because of drugs and alcohol, not because my uh, biological father is a sociopath. (laughs) You know, it was like, oh, it's because of the alcohol. And it's like, uh, so she really like, and then my stepdad is an alcoholic, but he's, um, he's been sober, you know, I don't know, 30 years, but 40 years even. Um, But like dry drunk sober, never did anything. Just one day was like, I don't drink anymore. And he, he didn't. And uh, thank God, because he was a a very messy drunk. But, um, but it's funny because like, like my they are so they got so war on drugs like my my parents and my family went from like these cool hippies to like a couple years ago when the eclipse happened um we were all going to go up to my my family has a cabin the totality you're talking about like the full totality yeah the totality yeah yeah. that was happening and we were all like the whole family was going to go up and watch you know the uh the totality at the cabin and my aunt sent out a group text that was like just FYI, we don't want any illegal substances up at the cabin because, and this is for everybody, not just one person, but because we're afraid <laughs> the police will come and, you know, we could get in trouble and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, literally, this is in the middle of fucking nowhere, this cabin. Like, yes. there are no cops up there. There's nobody up there. It's, I, and and also, it was funny because I was like, what this a time is, for a I'm drug the only bus. person who was, I was like, I, at the time, I had just started smoking like a tiny bit of weed here mm-hmm. and there. And my family was so upset. Like I was almost not invited to the eclipse because they were so worried I might take half an edible and be on drugs <laughs> during the eclipse. And I even kind of confronted them over it. And I was like, what the fuck happened to you? Like, you guys used to live in Eureka. You used to be cool, fun hippies. Like, you know, you guys lived in the mountains and, and made your own cheese and like, grew a bunch of pot and now all of a sudden like i'm a drug addict if i have half a, an edible to watch the eclipse and it, it they have si- since like loosened a little partly because of me uh i'm just like hey i'm i use pot you guys chill the fuck out right and because uh one of my aunts has a pretty severe chronic illness and i've finally got her to try cbd and now she's at the point where she's like have you heard about this whole plant theory and i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah i've sure been have. telling you about it for a <laughs> yeah. decade you know yes. like so 
That's so funny. Was, That's a classic boomer uh, a journey, though, I feel like. The, yeah. The, the, the yeah, hippie into really right to the, the Reaganomics, man. Reagan, they got Reagan, us. Reagan was, the, was, the, uh, was the, the Pied Piper for, for a lot of yeah. boomers to go from, yeah, the, the hippies to... Uh, that shit to, was so effective. I mean, it got me, too. Like, I, as a teenager, I remember breaking up with a boyfriend when I was, like, I don't know, 15. And when I was... I had a couple sober years as a teenager, and... Um, uh, I broke up with his boyfriend because he wouldn't stop smoking pot. And I remember crying as I was breaking up and being like, I just can't be with a drug addict. And I'm sure now that I'm like a little weed comic, he's like, you can't, you know, like, <laughs> what? Yes. You he's like that after me. school special routine. Was <laughs> I was like sobbing that. and like, <laughs> you're a drug addict, Christopher, you know, like. <laughs> but so then ridiculous. it whipped us into a hysteria, though, to be it fair. Did. I don't know. I don't want to date you. But but uh, as, as, a, as a child of the 80s, I'm like, no, we were we were whipped into a wild hysteria. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of the stuff that you would just, yeah. Like once you found out it wasn't true, that house of cards, like then it's just like, oh, well, nothing. Which, yeah. which I always certainly say led to more reckless behavior because about the age you, you, you outgrow the dare program, right? When you're just like, this seems like this is kind of bullshit. Like this is a little bit overhyped. And then when you just use a little bit of, of drugs and you're just like, oh, huh. Well, that crazy thing didn't happen. No one jumped out a window. No one did. Like, I mean, because I was at least in, in my grade school, like, you know, public school in, in northeastern Pennsylvania. And then in the early 90s, it was like the D.A.R.E. program was still very, uh, very like, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, uh, what's the the classic uh, can't, the weed hysteria uh, movie? The uh, uh, what the hell is the uh, it's reefer madness, you fucking pothead. Marijuana. The burning weed with its roots in hell. It was still, there was still a lot of that. Officer Dan was still very much like, like the oh, effects, yeah. the side effects of marijuana, just simply marijuana, were, were still like, were outrageous. So then you're just like, as soon as you're that's like crash a crash no, a car, kill your grandma in a yes, rage. Yes, yeah. Sexual sure. depravity, like the depravity, you just, you, yeah, it was, it was why, you know, it sounded like a very wild thing. So the first few times you, you get high and you're like, huh. This isn't all it's, it's cracked up. I, I was not I was not dragged masturbating to hell by the devil himself. <laughs> uh, yeah, for real. And also, like, I think one of the reasons I thought for sure I was an addict when um, I first started getting sober. Uh, and I don't know if I am now. I think I'm not now, but I'm always kind of keeping an eye on it because mm-hmm. I'm always like, well, who knows? Maybe you're wrong, Arnold. But like one of the big <laughs> reasons was because I really do think that the shit you do when you're high is the shit you would do when you're sober, you know, if that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. you don't really you don't turn into this other person. And the thing I did when I did drugs or alcohol was have sex with people. And so and that seemed to be a problem for other people, a big problem. Uh, and so. So I just assumed like, oh, well, this is all wrapped up in the same thing. When then later I was like, oh, I think that you just wanted to have sex with people. <laughs> you just felt like, you know, shamed and awkward and awful about it because of the society we lived in. So you were like, it must be a it must be a very serious drug problem. <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I didn't smoke weed for like, I don't know, 25 years. I smoked weed as a teenager and then I quit and I didn't didn't drink alcohol, didn't smoke weed, still ended up in the 12 step programs because uh, that's where you send crazy people, you know. So. That's right. That's right. I'm so glad you found I mean, like you were saying before, it's like that that you did end up finding the, the, the you know, the the treatment that was actually more, uh, you know, more apt for what for what your personal situation was uh, and still went through the 12 steps and then also came out on the other side. Smoking some weed that got, weed got a lot better in those twenty five years. I'm sure you found, it really you did. found out. It uh, really did. Yeah, from, <laughs> from the dare program to totality, we're talking like that's like fucking moon landing shit. That's like holy shit. This, this weed just got yeah. 
And, you know, it's funny, too, because, um, you know, I have done so much therapy. I've done EMDR. I've done, uh, you know, the 12-step groups. I've done, like, I've really done, like, every kind of therapy and every workbook and every possible thing you could do. And the thing that in the end, therapy helped me a lot, and I do highly recommend therapy. Uh, But the thing, you know, that sort of in the end um, really made the biggest difference of all, which I do think recovery is cumulative, um, I don't think one thing is, you know, I don't think you're going to, for me, I didn't have one thing that was like, this is it. But I did have uh, one thing sort of towards this, ta- like, I don't know, recent part of my recovery is uh, I did mushrooms um, a couple years ago, a few years ago. And um, I, I had been telling my therapist for a long time, I really want to do mushrooms. And I've heard that it's like really helpful for people with my um dissociative you know disorder Mm -hmm. and it's really helpful for people with cptsd and he was like very he's very square and he was like no 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 nothing to do with that i and he was really like you're you're breaking your sobriety you're breaking your sobriety and i was like and that was kind of when i that and also i had told him i could uh, i i knew every time i got pregnant every time i've been pregnant i've known the instant it happened and he was like that's not possible and i was like oh i've been pregnant five times how many times have you been pregnant because i feel like you don't trust my fucking lived experience on that. Sure. So I was like, you're not my therapist. And also, <laughs> no, of course. And that that's not possible. <laughs> and neither is like a, a, you know, a fungus growing from the earth potentially with with, uh, you know, psychoactive like, like that, that expanding your mind in that way could never possibly be helpful. Either. I'm like, this guy's all over yeah. the map. It sounds like he's all I know. So I did mushrooms and I didn't do him for a mental health thing. I did him because my husband uh we were up at the up at the cabin and we were canoeing around and he had brought some and i was like well what the heck why not let's and so we were like let's canoe around and 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 have a nice time and he had a great time and i dealt with my mortality in a very deep way (laughs) yes (laughs) i did one of those but actually in the midst of it i i started vomiting and i couldn't stop vomiting and in this you know trip i was having I vomited out the specter of my father living inside of me, who Ooh. was like the abusive voice in my head. A purge, gone, yes. gone. Purged that shit. Mushrooms Fuck did yeah. it. Yeah, and I had um, before that I had the di- diagnosis of DID, which is like multiple personality disorder, and uh, after that, uh, integration, like the integration oh, we've been trying yeah. with therapy and EMDR for years to reach, and I've been like. Sorry, still, still crazy. Don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Did mushrooms once, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm one person instead of nine. Holy fucking shit!" And well, actually, eight now that I puked out my dad. So um, <laughs> this, yes, yeah, yeah. that's that's the shit, man. That, but I mean, that kind of perspective, it was incredible. That shift, yeah. That's yeah. I feel like, and again, that's like the kind of thing where you're just like, "There's no." I like that you were even saying that 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 you know it wasn't all all dandelions and and you know and and. Uh, you know, whatever uh, th- those kind of experiences I've also found. I've done a lot of psychedelics coming off of heroin was very much in those uh, early months was a big mushrooms were huge for me uh, in that w- way. And I think, yeah, the, the, some trips mm-hmm. are introspective, some are giggly and fun and some are, you know, all right, we're going for the dark night of the soul, but then we're going to come out the other side. Like, I feel like all of I it know, is it was- helpful. It was funny to do him with my husband who had a very like Pop-Tart childhood, you know, just mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm. very like two loving parents. Still, We're still married, you know, like um, it was funny to do them with him. And and he's just like, I'm having I'm having a great time. Look at the flowers. Like, look at the trees. And I was 
I was like, I got to battle my ancestors. <laughs> you know, like I had to go yes. so yes. deep. And, <laughs> and, and he was so, so high and so supportive and so amazing and like really sat with That's me wonderful. through it. And, and while I was vomiting, was like, let it out, babe. Let it go, man. Yes. Just let it go. Get that evil out of you. You know, it's so amazing. That's so clutch. Some of that probably was, you know, having now a really loving, accepting partner who, when I have had those days where, like, it's not like for the five years I've been sober, I've had no times without the churning. Like, I have definitely had some churns. But I can literally go to him and be like, uh, it's happening. I'm having that thing where I think, what if I went and found some Coke and a stranger, <laughs> you know? And yep, he's yep. like, cool, what's that about? Why are you feeling that? And I also know, I think a big thing for me with this too, um, is I know that if I went and did Coke and, ha- and fucked a stranger, I could come back and be like, I did Coke and fucked a stranger. And he would be curious about what happened instead of like taking that personally and being like because you hate me because yes, i'm yes. a piece of shit because you're a piece of shit like i think he would just he really understand me. yeah he gets me and he's not afraid of me i feel like everyone i had been with romantically before on some level could sense uh you know did is a very sense very serious mental illness that i did uh at, at treatment they were like how are you functional how are you living how are you parenting how are you doing this uh and you know you're like, answer, like a honestly, boss yeah. Well, the answer honestly was like because I was active in a lot of my addictions for some of that, which was an excellent crutch and kept me alive when I needed those things. And I have a lot of appreciation for my addict because I think that piece of me was a piece that was like, oh, my God, what a horrible life. What a terrible childhood here. Here. Distraction. You know, like like yes. helped me get through a lot of those things. I appreciate that piece of myself. So I, I yeah. love that. I, I feel the same about. Uh, yeah. The, the heroin is a great uh Great to numb the soul, and I, I think when I needed to be, when I needed the numbing, it was, it was, the, and I think, yeah, I, I, I also have come to view that in the same way as like, oh yeah, that that got me through the time that it needed to get me through, and it's yeah, I think, I think that is a way, which you know certainly is the opposite. To bring this just back uh, uh, to to close this out in the twelve uh, steps traditions, whatever, uh, is like yeah, the opposite of that. Um, the opposite of the shame is the embracing that that as a part of you and a part of your. You know, what makes me, you know, who I am now. And I think that that I certainly it's like the idea of, oh, would I trade this for that? Which I'm like, you living in these hypotheticals, like, who cares? I don't know uh, what I would trade for what. Uh, But it's like, I think ultimately that that was helpful for me at that at that time. And then, I'm you know, it's like we said earlier, I think, you know, you know, it when you're like, yep, this has now become like I'm just I'm punishing myself to a point where it's like I got to, you know, I got to. And I think material conditions and having the support, I think, is, a, is also just another huge thing. It's like tr- expecting people to change when you think about their substance use when nothing else, like their entire like existence day to day is not, and they don't have the support. And it's like nothing, you know, no light at the end of the tunnel. That's that's a very t- big ask of of someone as well. So I think a lot of the, yeah. a lot of it when you talk about like percentage of, well, how many people stay clean forever and like using that language or like sober or whatever, it's like, who gives a shit? Uh, yeah. of whether that is but like are they still like Did you, you survive know? it or not those are the only metrics to me yes like are you going to be able to survive or not because i think you know um i i right right after i taped my first special uh i literally was like oh thank god i can kill myself now like <laughs> like i was really yes. like i had this plan and i was like oh, i gotta record this special and then i can kill myself and like 
you know, uh, I, I really was like so done. And what kept me alive for better or worse was hopping back into my addiction. And even now, like I have such an addictive personality, like if I start playing Candy Crush, it's an <laughs> issue in my life very quickly. <laughs> like I constantly have to be like, ooh, okay, we've done – but I've actually what I've started to do is like if I'm numbing, that's okay. That's okay. Yes, Like yes. I used to feel so like, no, you have to raw dog this shit. You better be raw. <laughs> and I, yeah. I have known a lot of addicts. I have been in a lot of different 12-step programs. No one is raw dogging this. Oh. Everybody fucking has some way that – they're shopping. Uh, they're watching TV. They're, yes, you know, yes. I had a, they're I had a working out. They're running fucking marathons, out. whatever oh the hell. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're eating disorder. Oh my God. I can't even tell you how mm, many yep. addicts I've known over the years who just switched to an eating disorder, yep. who just switch all of their pain and self-hatred towards their, you know, their body instead I mean, of my, their my aunt, addict. My aunt, I always joke too, is I was just like, she would chug. She would chain smoked Newport's, Newport 100s <laughs> and, uh, and chugged, uh, um, caffeine-free uh, diet Coca-Colas. But by like, I mean, we're talking probably like, I don't know, 10 liters a day and like, you know, five packs of Newport one. And I'm actually like, <laughs> I always used to joke, I used to be like, what if you stopped those two things and you just drank? Like, I understand the yeah. behavior too, but I'm like, just from a medical biological standpoint, I'm like, you probably, I'm like, you're really pushing uh, in terms of, well, you know, we laugh about that too, but she's Transfer like, yeah, addiction, that's, baby. That's that my thing. It's like, addiction. Yeah, I fucking, I, mm-hmm. I just cannot, like before this cigarette is butted, I've, I have another one lit and I'm just like yep. with, the, with the 20 ounce caffeine free that's diets. why so many people who get uh you know their their uh stomach stapled with the name of which i can't remember the medical name right now but you know what i'm talking oh gastric oh, the, bypass gastro, yeah, but- become alcoholics shortly after because like you're you're still going to need to to get through life yes even thin it's, it's the turns be- out the belly uh, you could you could staple the belly but the, but the brain is still you know still is still looking for what it's looking for yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's true well, Emma, I think we, uh, I think we, 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 we thoroughly dismantled the twelve steps. The, uh, we, we, we. I do want to say, I do want to say, like, I have been to cities because I know people are going to be like, "Wow, she really hates this," but like, I do want to say, got a lot of good out of the twelve steps too. Got a lot of good out of twelve step groups. Uh, went to cities like a couple times. I was in LA where I was like, these meetings are really different. These are really different than what I've experienced. And I've been to meetings like the women's Al-Anon meetings are. Yeah. When I ended up in Al-Anon, I was like, okay, this is my thing. I'm a codependent is what I am. I'm a people-pleasing codependent and what I need to be doing. And I still hit Al-Anon occasionally because uh, I have addicts in my life still. And also because, like, the, uh, the women's groups are so loving and so supportive and are a piece of I, what I think I was actually missing was a loving community in a lot of ways when I was uh, in my addiction. So... You know, I don't. I just want to say that because I know some people are like, "Oh, geez," but uh, I think, I think, uh, yeah, we were pretty thorough. But I just want people to know. No, that. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, of course. I, I always, you know, I, I mean, with, with this show, I always make sure to stress, uh, you know, that that's obviously, and and it's funny that you mentioned because that that's the exact. There's a lot of uh, of my uh, lady friends that, again, with the harm reduction thing, ha- have come around to being like, yeah, I, I felt that way when I was in twelve steps of like people. Are are you if you're doing methadone if you're on methadone you're on whatever like that's not sober like you know so they're like I always had that thing but I, I think that their their takeaway from the 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 uh, uh, lady centric groups twelve step programs are like these were life changing like in so many ways outside mm-hmm. of even just the substance use is like yeah there, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of uh, 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 you know power and 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 uh, and like you said just surviving you get to the point where you got a lot of survivors. Uh, 
powering through difficult situations. And it's like, however the fuck people do that, to stand in moral judgment of that is like, I mean, just give me a break. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's. Uh, well, listen, let's uh, let's 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 dive in. Let's finish things off. Um, we, uh, we 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 handled the twelve steps, and I think we got a lot of. And I appreciate. Thank you so much for sharing and being so open on the program. Uh, I feel like oftentimes, you know, we we doing bits, joking around. It's like then we get to the uh, the user. Oh studio my gosh, you wanted jokes? I'm so I, sorry. No, no, Lord, no, no they're. <laughs> There, that no, is literally plenty. me on every podcast. Like, oh my gosh, jokes! I gave you a very serious answer <laughs> and a sincere answer to that, which is my curse. <laughs> Dude, this was the perfect laughs per minute. This was the perfect. This okay, perfect. good. <laughs> um, but now we'll get. We might get a little silly, but who knows? We might. Okay. We might get back in as we slide I will on do over my best. <laughs> into the user studio. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> we end our podcast session. <laughs> With a weekly dose version of the questionnaire that was used masterfully for 24 years by the great James Lipton inside mm-hmm. the actor's studio. And the first question is, Emma Arnold, what is your favorite drug? Um, okay. I'm going to say weed now is my favorite drug. Ooh, weed uh, <laughs> Because you know what weed does for me? It helps me sleep. And as a lifelong insomniac, as a person who from the time I was a kid, you know, I, I could not sleep. And I have gone a lot of my life sleeping two or three hours a night. And uh, really think my relapse was probably predicated more by lack of sleep than anything else, honestly. I take uh, half an edible at night before bed. Sleep like a rock. Sleep like a baby. Uh, it's incredible. And so I'm, that's where I'm at in my life is if a drug makes me sleepy. I'm like, oh, hello. Uh, sign me up. <laughs> I'm with you on that. My word, with, with, with the children, the child. There's no sleep. No sleep. Uh, what is your least favorite drug? Uh, <laughs> my least favorite drug would probably have to be PCP. Ah, um, yes. The dust of angels. Yeah. I, to be fair, I have not done since I was a teenager. Uh, but what I found at the time was uh, I was already a very reckless kid, and it made me really like even more reckless. Uh, and I didn't know we were doing PCP at the time. We were smoke. We were stealing weed from my friend's dad, and then one day he was like, "Are you guys stealing my weed?" And we were like, "Yeah." And he was like, "I laced that shit with PCP," and we were like, "Ah, uh, yes." Fuck. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, "Oh, that, that makes the last like eight months or so sort of really puts that in focus for me." I this, understand. in fact, sounds like a dare program story as well. You we got the weed laced with some PCP and everything went wild. Uh, what age were you the first time you found yourself under the influence? I believe we discussed it earlier. Um, I, I was 12 the first time. And I had older siblings and stuff was pretty readily available. Available. Also, my biological father used to give drugs and alcohol to me and my brother uh, mostly me because I was the oldest. So yeah, um, pretty young. And I was, I was a very active user from the age of 12 to 15 of literally anything I could find, get my hands yes. on anything anybody handed to me. I was pounding the WD-40 out in the shed. I was, I was getting into some <laughs> huffing, all of it. Yes. Yes. I, yeah, I can relate. Yep, I can yeah, relate. Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what celebrities overdose death has had the most profound effect on you? Oh gosh. Um, I, you know, um, 
I I don't think it's fair to call it a uh, an overdose death from what I've recently learned. But Mama Cass was like a favorite of mine. And, you know, everybody teases about like, oh, she died from a ham sandwich. Choking well, on a ham sandwich, yes, yes. But actually she died from uh, overusing diet pills because she had been fat shamed for so much of her life. And she did a lot of yo-yo dieting and had damaged her heart. And, and the ephedrine actually, or whatever at the time that, that yeah, this, yeah, the, 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 whatever you know. Right now, they're do, everybody's doing Ozempic, and I'm sure in a couple of years we'll hear like, oh, that actually, that actually is putting holes in your heart or something awful. But <laughs> yes. yeah, she uh, she died of that, and I've. I always, I always really loved her and thought it was sad that she had like this sort of humiliating death, but even more so now that I know that it's just like an urban legend and she died from being fat shamed. Essentially, she died of an eating disorder, which is oh, so sad. That is very sad. And God bless. Thank you for bringing the, uh, shining a light on Mama Cass. I was about to go through the rest of my life believing the old yeah. ham sandwich bullshit. Yes. I mm. know. I'm, I'm going to put the word out for Please, her. Please. Yes. I'm glad. Disgusting. Uh, yes. Hashtag uh, the Mama Cass truthers. We need to get yeah. out there. <laughs> Uh, what is your favorite slang word for cannabis? Ooh, you know, it's got to be weed, honestly. Uh, I, I know it's not like one of the more fun ones, but it just it's makes classic. me. It's a classic. And it makes me feel like young and cool when I'm like talking to, you know, Gen <laughs> Z kids where I'm like, I don't say, I don't say like, you guys doing weed? <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> you guys on the weed? Like, I'm, I smoke weed, you guys. I'm actually a pretty cool guy, too. So, yeah. You can't go <laughs> so wrong with a fun weed. one. You, weed you is know, fun. You're not reaching too far. Fun. Yes, it's 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 yeah. always uh, yeah, it'll always fly. Uh, what drug would you like to deal for a living? You know, um, when I was a teenager, allegedly I dealt LSD for a while, um, mm. and somebody would give it to me to sell, and I would sell it for five dollars. And um, so such a tiny little convenient thing to deal as far as dealing goes. You're just like, here's a little tiny piece of paper that's going to make you see God. I, I thought that was a pretty fun one to that's deal. That's right. Yes. A hundred hits on one sheet. Allegedly. Allegedly. Of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. Uh, and uh, what drug would you absolutely not like to deal under any circumstances? Um, I'm going to say meth because um, I only did speed once as an eighth grader and the which looking back is maybe now I'm like, maybe I should get screened for ADHD because I did speed and everybody else was like buzzing and I was really like, boo. That's right. There it is. It brought yeah. you, yes, it's a fo- And it was the it first inside. drug that I ever did. It was the only drug actually that I've ever done where I was like, well, cocaine too, uh, which where I was like, this, this could be an issue. Like everything else I was like, who cares? Blah. But I was like, you will die if you continue to do this because yes. you really like it and it's really fun. So yeah, yes. I would I would be a, a smoking your own supply guy if I if I did co- cocaine, meth, or, or speed. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you you will you will die, but you will have built the, the, the sailboat that you're able to sail away on as you die. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, and finally, uh, finished if, my novel. So, yes, yeah. yes, uh, novel, uh, novels, uh, uh, more stand-up specials, and and a sailboat. Uh, yeah. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear Mama Cass say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh my gosh, um, she's gonna say uh, he's not dead yet. I understand that, but he will be by the time I die. She's gonna be like. Tim Curry is here, and he's waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, delightful. What a party in heaven, Tim Curry and Mama Cass. Oh, my, that's lovely. Emma Arnold, here are your drug users. We learned something today. 
for real. Yeah. Well, Emma, listen, uh, this has been wonderful. I feel like we could we could we could continue. There's so much more. I, I would love to chat. Maybe you come back on and we and we talk uh, uh, some more. Uh, is there anything you would like to say to the to the listeners uh, before we? Part. Where, where can they where can they find you where you can, can they... find me uh i have a website emmaarnoldcomedy.com that has a lot of my stuff there uh i have uh you can listen to city cast boise i have another podcast that i was planning to do once a month but it's really hard to do so it's like once a year i put out a new episode on the book of holy fuck which is a uh it's a horror storytelling podcast that is about my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the true uh, horror. It's, it's not comedy, just to warn you, but it's very cool. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram, Emma Arnold is a keeper. And I, I'm i on Twitter, but I probably won't be much longer. And I can't remember my... Oh, you have it. I am Emma Arnold. Thank you. I, I was like, I'm not sure there. what my handle is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you can find me. And I have like, yeah, five albums and uh, two specials now. And you should watch and listen to them. They're pretty fun. Wonderful. Emma, this is this has been delightful. Thank you again so much for joining us. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. This has been your weekly dose. Hey America, there's no use of sleeping with your children, with your daughters, with your sons, and with your husband. Self-medicated weekly dose is hosted and produced by me, Murph Meyer, with support from Pop Culture Collaborative. Our theme song is My Congressman by 15, courtesy of Jeff Ott and Hopeless Records. Original artwork and production design by Diana Kolsky. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the program, you can listen to new episodes of Weekly Dose every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, subscribe to the Self-Medicated YouTube channel to see new video clips from the show each week. Follow me on Instagram at Murph Meyer. And for some top-shelf harm reduction resources, head over to selfmedicatedpod.com. Also, don't forget, you can call the Weekly Dose podcast anytime to leave me a voicemail message with your thoughts on drugs and the people who use them. Just pick up the phone and dial 443-MK-ULTRA. All right, that's about it for me. I'll see you next week. Love and solidarity. Goodbye.